Welcome, everyone, to today's, today's podcast of Personal Growth Recipes with your host, Ron Denner. Now, we're on the second part of a two-part series titled Personal Financial Fitness, and I'm going to share some information from one of the best-known authors on personal finance, Dave Ramsey. Now, Dave wrote a best-selling book titled The Total Money Makeover, which I highly recommended to everyone in the audience. Now, last week, we talked about the myths of debt and the problems that it creates. Today, we're going to cover the solutions in the seven baby steps that you can take to turn your money troubles into money triumphs. So let's begin. Now, baby step number one is saving $1,000 fast. And we need to look at some basic tools needed to do this. Now, the dreaded B word enters the picture here. You must set up a budget every month. You got, you got to spend every dollar on paper before the month begins, which is called a zero-based budget. Now, look at this month's income and this month's bills, savings, and the debts, and match them up until you have given every income dollar an outgo name. And if you're married, you want, you want to agree on this with your spouse. This is very important that the two of you are on the same page and that you uh, agree on everything. Uh, if something comes up in the middle of the month, and that causes the budget to need to be changed, you know that you must still balance your budget. For example, if you increase what you spend on uh, car repairs by fifty dollars, you, you really you got to lower your budget in some other area by fifty dollars. So you you got to balance that out. Now it's going to rain, so you need a rainy day fund. And Money Magazine says that 78% of us are going to have some kind of a major financial setback. Now, I call it Murphy's Law, right? We've heard of Murphy. And it is going to rain. So that's going to happen. So baby step one is to save $1,000 cash as a starter emergency fund. But, you know, 1000 bucks is not going to catch all the, all the things that come along. But it's going to catch the little ones until the emergency fund's fully funded. We'll get into that eventually. Now, the emergency fund is not for buying things or for vacations. It's, it's for emergencies only. And most Americans use credit cards to catch a lot of their emergencies, unfortunately. Now, some of these emergencies are uh, events are not events like Christmas. Christmas is not an emergency. It's, 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 it's in December. It comes up every year in December, so it's not a surprise, right? They don't move it. And your car is going to need some repairs. And your kids are going to need new clothes eventually. So these simply are not emergencies. You got to put them into your budget. That's all we're trying to say here. And what we're trying to get away from is this cycle of dependence on credit cards. And in order to break that cycle, you just got to plan a budget. And you got to anticipate that these things are going to come up. They just are. So how do you save $1,000? Well, you can try. There's, there's some things you can do. You can work extra hours. Uh, maybe take a part-time job. Sell something. You go on eBay, sell something, garage sale, anything. Now, most people should do, be able to do this in probably one to three months if you really commit to it. And when you get to 1000 bucks, here's the thing you got to do. You got to hide it. Uh, don't leave it at home. Put it, don't just put it in your purse or your billfold. 
per, me personally, I put mine in my savings account at a bank in a separate savings account. That's that's very wise to do that. That's baby step. Let's go to the next step here. Baby step two. Baby step two is what we call the debt snowball. And I want you to think about something. You know, if you don't have a, a, a car payment or a student loan payment or a credit card debt, medical debts, or what about if you don't have a rent or a mortgage payment? You could become wealthy very quickly. The math is very revealing here, guys and gals. You know, the typical American with a $50,000 annual income, this is an average income of $50,000. They, they would normally have an $850 house payment, a $495 car payment, a second car payment of about $180 a month. There's usually a $165 a month student loan payment. And uh, when you factor in a credit card payment, that's usually around $300, $305 a month. Total that up, that comes out to $1,995 a month. Now, that's roughly $2,000 a month that you're allocating to pay debts. debts. Now, if that family were to be able to invest that money, they would be cash mutual fund millionaires in 15 years. That's crazy. Now, the debt, the debt snowball is actually the, the toughest of all the baby steps. And really, it requires the most effort and discipline. But it's designed to be that way because, you know, we're really more concerned with modifying behavior than correct mathematics. And I'll get into that shortly here. We want to modify some behavior here. So here's how this works. The, the debt snowball, what, what, you, what you want to do is list all your debts in order of the smallest to the largest, okay? So start with the smallest one. Write this down on paper and list every one of your debts. Don't count your house mortgage. Keep that out of this equation for now. We'll get to that in, a, in another step. Now, the reason we list smallest to largest is we want to have some quick wins right away, right off the bat. This is the behavior modification that I'm talking about versus the math part. So you know, as an example, face it, if you go on a diet and you lose weight within a week or two or you see progress, you're, you're going to stick with it. If you don't see progress, most people quit. That's why they quit diets. And... Uh, so we want to list our debts from smallest to largest, and we want to pay the minimum payment to stay current on all the debts except that smallest one. We're going to attack the smallest one first. So every dollar that, every dollar that you can find from anywhere, anywhere in your budget goes towards the smallest debt until it's paid. Now, once that smallest debt's paid off, the payment from that debt plus plus any extra money that can be found is added to the next smallest debt. So now we're taking up taking it up a notch here. So then when that debt number two is paid off, you take the money that used to pay on number one and number two, plus any other money you can scrounge up or find, and you put it towards debt number three. So you see what we're doing? And Eventually, three, then four, and so on. You just keep going up, work your way up. And you keep paying minimums all on all these other debts except the smallest one until it's paid. Now, move on to the next one. 
And every time you pay one off, you just pay your, you're able to put more on the next one. So it does work. Okay. It's literally kind of like a, it's kind of like a snowball rolling over. It picks up more snow and he eventually is kind of creating an avalanche. That's why, that's why he calls it the snowball debt. Very, 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 the debt snowball. That's why very, very effective. And what you're going to find when, uh, when you get to the bottom of the, the finally to the, the last big debt or whatever, um, usually at that point you've got over a thousand dollars a month to put towards, whether it be like a student loan or a, maybe a car payment or a large credit card debt. You know, at that one point, it's just it's not going to take you very long to to knock those out by doing that. So, you know, it, it, one other thing you got to remember though, an obvious step to doing this is you got to stop borrowing throughout this process. Otherwise, you're just kind of self-defeating. You're on a uh, treadmill otherwise. Uh, so you got to draw a line in the sand and say, I will not borrow. Boy, it takes, that's tough. If you if you find something you want, run it through your, your checking account, not a, not a credit card. Uh, now, sometimes getting that, that, that's easier said than done, that, that debt snowball. Sometimes it's very hard to get it started. So sometimes you got to kind of jumpstart yourself, okay? And uh, what some people will do is uh, to get it going, you may have to once again do a little temporary sacrifice here. Uh, a part-time job, uh, sell something, uh, work longer hours. You'll find something just to get that. Once you get it started, then, then it, kind of kicks in you see but that's very very important um the average how long does this debt snowball really take on an average it takes the actually the time period is not as long as you think it's about 18 to 20 months that 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 you'll find that it, it'll it'll wipe out most of your debts that except for your mortgage okay so that's that's very encouraging very well very well worth following through on as you can see and what happens is once you free up, you know, you're really, it's your most powerful wealth building tool Tool at that point. You're, you're building up that tool, which is your income. And you're, you're really taking on the American culture by declaring war on debt. And, you know, you're, you're, you're taking a stance. And you, you, what, you, what you're really doing is you're, you, it's, it's got to get into your heart. You know, that, that's a tough one. But it, once it gets into your heart and you really want it that bad, it, it, you'll, you'll understand. It'll, 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 it'll make a difference. That's, that's the big one right there. Let's go to baby step number three, and that's to finish the emergency fund. Now, remember, we only started with 1000 right? So that's really not going to get you far but at least you have something to start out with really what you want to try to do next is you want to build up three to six months to cover expenses so you know this could range from anywhere from five to twenty five thousand it really depends on your family size you know that that's a big one in your actual expenses you know that we're, we're what we're talking about here is unforeseen medical bills car repairs you know, look at look at the coronavirus mess that's happened here. Job losses, uh, temporary, hopefully temporarily, right? Cutbacks. 
but we're looking to, to cover three to six months of expenses, not income. And it was kind of interesting about this, this uh, emergency fund. You know, female and male look at this differently. And, uh, you know, from a man's perspective, I can tell you, we're more task-oriented generally, men are. And, and the women are more security-centered, uh, it seems. Not all. But so this is a big one for the female, the women, the, the security part of this. The, the, that's something that means a lot. It means a lot to everybody, but you're going to find if you're married, generally the women appreciate it. But let's cover one other thing here. What if you don't own a home and you want to save for a down payment? You know, saving for a down payment really should occur after becoming debt free. And that's step number two, you know, the debt snowball. You want to get out from underneath those credit card debts, car payments, uh, student loans. You want to try to get that erased. Then start worrying about that the down payment, saving for a house. You know, the, the buying a house, that's the biggest financial commitment most people are going to make. And what you really want to do, you want to be in a position when you're at that point in your life because to have the financial resources because – you know, you're going to, things like the roof needs replacing, uh, the furnace goes out, you name it, something's got to be replaced. Uh, you you don't want to be in a position where you don't have uh, the funds to cover all that kind of stuff. Let's go to baby step number four. And that's, now we're going to talk about retirement investing. You know, when I think of retirement, I think of security. Now, really, security means choices. We, we all want choices, right? What you really got to do in life is you want to reach a point where your money works harder for you than you do. And and what we want to try to shoot for, we want to, as a rule of thumb, you want to invest 15, 15%, one five, 15% of your income in re- for ret- retirement. And remember, when you reach this point, the only debt that you should really have is your home mortgage at this point. So you might be thinking, well, why not more than 15%? Well, you're going to need some of that money to maybe save if you're trying to save for your your kids' education. Uh, or, you know, in, in investing 15% of your gross income is what we're talking about here. And if your company happens to match part of your investment, don't count that. That's just considered gravy, okay? And a lot, a lot of companies in a 401k will match. A certain percent. Now, at this point, what you're going to want to really think about, uh, this is from Dave Ramsey's book. Uh, he talks about mutual funds, and specifically the, the stock market really has averaged about 12% throughout its history. Now, I know since February when it's been down, the Dow was, what, at 30,000, dropped to 20,000 roughly? It's back up to around 24, 25. Um, so you may be thinking, well, that's not true, but that you can't look at it from a short-term perspective. This is long-term over the history. The stock market has actually averaged about a 12% return overall. He talks heavily about what's, what we, we call growth stock mutual funds. That's what he recommends. And uh, you know, these are going to go up and down in value. They're, they're not short-term, they're long-term investments. So keep that in mind. What I would recommend, actually, 
go if if you really want to get on the website, go to DaveRamsey.com and visit MyTotalMoneyMakeover.com. There's a lot of good information on that. I'm not an investment expert by any means, but he gives some real specific advice on that area. That's what I would recommend. So how much do we need to really save a way to retire with dignity? What's the right formula here? You know, for years, the rule of thumb was uh, you can live, the experts always said you can live off 8% of your nest egg, okay? But now they're saying a more conservative number is 5%. I've heard 4%. So what that means, let's back up, because you, 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 when you think about it, people are living longer, right? Medical breakthroughs. Uh, you've got uh, health issues. Health insurance is just going through the roof. All these expenses of living longer, okay? So let's give an example. Let's say you got a $500,000 nest egg. That's your savings for life. So 5% of that is 25000 So can you live off 25000 a year comfortably? You know, that's what you got to kind of factor in. One thing I'm going to throw in real quick, we're not, we haven't counted Social Security into this. We're, that, that's, once again, if you get, that's extra, okay? Just consider it extra. That's kind of a cushion or a safety net, if you will. Another example, if you if you have eight hundred thousand in a nest egg, five percent of that is forty thousand a year. So you 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 literally are counting on being able to live a comfortable lifestyle around at make at about forty thousand a year. Okay? That could be a household or a couple or an individual for that matter. Now, what about if you're I know I'm sixty years old, so what what if someone like me hasn't really put anything away? Well, you can't. You got to. You can't worry about it. The past is behind us. You have to start where you're at. If you haven't really started this far in your life, don't worry about it. Get started. That's once you get into the systematic habit of putting money away. It, it, you know, people are working longer. You got to factor all that in. So that's baby step four. Let's go to baby step five. That's funding for college for kids. And I'm also going to throw in vacation, uh, Votech school. The the two-year schools are becoming very, very popular, and I would highly recommend looking into the two-year schools also. You know, college is not for everyone. And too many people over the years have uh, jumped into going into college because of peer pressure, a lot of times from their friends, the parents, and it's kind of like just blind, putting a blindfold on and throwing a dart at a dartboard. Sometimes, with people, people have no idea what they what they want to go for. And if you're going to invest anywhere from forty to two hundred thousand uh, dollars, you know, I you really want to plan this out with, with some put some thought into it. You know, too many people. Unfortunately, really don't. I understand it's hard to know what you want to do when you're 20 years old. We get it, okay? But man, the more specific you can be, and find something that that suits your kind of your your skill set, your personality, 
try to try to find something that matches that if you can. That that's the best advice I can give you. I see way too many people uh, just just throw money down the drain, basically. And like I said, I would consider a two year school. Okay, and you can always now now they, you can transfer those credits into a four year program. Also, keep that in mind. Another thing: scholarships. Uh, don't overlook scholarships. Go online. The scholarships, there's, I've read where uh, a large percent of scholarships go unclaimed every year. So just keep that in mind. One last thing, there's an ESA, it's called an educational savings account. Basically what it is, is kind of like an IRA. You can put $2,000 away per child per year, tax deferred, and that it grows tax-free. You can take it out once they start going to school to pay their expenses. Baby step number six. Now we're going to get into the home mortgage. That's the big one. That's, you know, the average person uh, nowadays, mortgages are, are being written for thir- beyond 30 years even. And uh, one one thing you want to keep in mind, when, when you're looking at buying a house, and, and most lending institutions will follow this rule, your, your house payment, should not, and this includes the, the taxes, the house payment plus the taxes should not be more than 25% of your income. And, you know, if your husband and wife add that together, they should not be more than 25%. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure here. And the other thing you want to try to do is find a house that meets your needs, not your wants. You know, I call putting logic ahead of emotion here. You know, if you think you're going to need a five or six bedroom house and you could really get by with three or four, that that's what I, that, would, that would be my suggestion. You know, eventually the kids are going to move out. Eventually, <laughs> they may come back, but they'll move out. But uh, and the other thing you want to think about, you know, a lot of people when they buy a house initially, they don't necessarily give this a lot of thought. I think the property tax bill. You know, when you're in your in your later years, uh, especially when people retire, uh, they still have their property tax bill. So keep that factor that into all this because that that's something you don't want to have eating you alive as you wind down towards retirement. Um, and there's a myth I want to talk about next: uh, the uh, the tax deduction on interest. Okay. That that's a lot of people will spend extra by 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 into the notion that hey I get a tax deduction on my interest so I, I buying a bigger house isn't that big a deal well guess what interest is interest okay and 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 when you think about this a couple of years ago they changed the tax laws they raised the standard deduction so now m- most people. Are, because of that increase in the standard deduction, are not able to itemize and take advantage even of the interest deduction because the standard deduction exceeds it. So don't use that as an excuse, okay, to overbuy or overpurchase. And, uh, you know, the, the monthly mortgage payment, that's your biggest expense you're going to have over your lifetime. 
And and what you're going to find once once you reach a point in life where you can pay that off, um, you're going to have options, and it's it, it it it's fun. I mean, you're going to be able to travel. You're going to be able to maybe buy a car that you dreamed of buying, but held off okay you're going to have the maybe it's jewelry things like that you're just going to have more options at that point in your life because you're going to be able to live little live like no no one else can because you live like you live like no one else did before so you sacrificed and the last step baby step number seven build wealth this is now now we've got the home paid for at this point, okay? So we're on to baby step number seven, build wealth. A word of caution, wealth will not cover all of life's questions and make you trouble-free. You know, the Bible talks about that, you know, money doesn't make you happy. Um, but uh, it's going to give you options. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Now there's really, there's only really three he talks about three good uses of money. So what are they? Well, money's good for fun. Money's good to invest. And money's good to give. So let's talk about it. Like I said before, it's fun to buy a special vehicle or if you like traveling, uh, maybe doing something for your kids or grandkids. It's just nice to have that option. Uh, investing. And Dave, this is Dave Ramsey's suggestion. Keep your investing simple. Keep it simple. Like I said before, a couple of his ideas are mutual funds, and he also talks about debt-free real estate. And what you want to do in that situation when you invest, you really want to surround yourself with a team. When I say a team, I'm talking about maybe a, an estate planning attorney, uh, a CPA, a good CPA, a tax expert, an insurance pro, an investment pro, and a good realtor, that you want to have a team, but you want to be the one that makes a decision. Okay, you know, I, you always hear these horror stories about these pro athletes. It seems that have gazillion or a million dollars, and they end up in the the poorhouse because they they just hand it off to other people without. They're they're basically asleep at the wheel. They don't know where their money's at. That's not that's not where you want to go. So have a good team around you. And the last part involves giving money away. And this, a lot of people that are financially successful in life consider the giving part the funnest. That, that's the most rewarding part of life for a lot of people. And it's also, a lot, it, it can be one of the funnest things also. And if you really think about it, there's a lot of organizations and churches that need help. So... That, that's our seven steps, our, our seven baby steps. I hope you enjoyed that. Now, here's what I want you to take away from the subject of the total money makeover. And I, I really hope, like I said before, I can turn your money troubles into money triumphs. And I hope, you know, as you get on in life that you can retire with dignity and hope that here's something to think about. You can, you can literally start in your family tree a legacy to pass on an, an inheritance to maybe one or two generations. That would be, that would be pretty cool. And really, it's just, you know, these are just age-old principles, and they, and they work. It's just, it's just, it's not magic. It's just common sense. 
And the exciting thing is that anybody can do this, anybody. And my challenge is, are you next? I hope so. And I really want to thank you for listening to this podcast, and I invite you to tune into my upcoming podcast next Wednesday. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and share and leave your comments down below. I invite you to follow me at, on Twitter at Ron Denner, Instagram at Denner Ron, on my YouTube channel, Ron Denner. And please subscribe to Personal Growth Recipes on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoyed it, I would also appreciate giving us a five-star rating. And also like and share our Facebook page, Personal Growth Recipes. And this is Ron Denner, your host for Personal Growth Recipes, serving up and signing off.